What is going on, movie lovers? Welcome back to another edition of No Content for Old Men. This is the podcast where every week I give you reviews of the latest movies and some streaming suggestions for your weekend. As always, I'm your host, Matt Craig. Thank you so much for listening. And this week, we're talking about movie stars, specifically why there are no more movie stars, at least young movie stars, emerging onto the scene through the context of a little independent movie called Sanctuary that came out this week. We'll also be talking about Fool's Paradise, a a comedy written, directed, and starring Charlie Day. And I finally caught up on A Man Called Otto, which has been burning up the Netflix charts. And then, of course, our usual streaming suggestions that you want to stick around for. Before we jump in, I want to say you can follow me on Twitter at Mr. Matt Craig or through the newsletter at mattcraig.substack.com. I have a little project I'm working on uh, on the newsletter that may actually affect this podcast. So you'll want to stick around, uh, stay tuned to those two channels and find out what I've got going on. But until then, let's talk about Sanctuary. My mind continues to linger on the National Research Group survey published a few weeks ago about movie stars. None of the top 20 actors who were who people said they'd be most likely to go see in theaters were under the age of 40. Well, after Chris Hemsworth's birthday in August, anyway. Names in the top 10, Cruz, Denzel, Pitt, Julia, are for the most part the same stars who led the box office 20 years ago. Even if there's reason to doubt the preciseness of these surveys, the list resonated because of how true it felt. Our upcoming summer movie slate will star the likes of Harrison Ford and Vin Diesel, not exactly fresh faces. Whether it's an intentional move by the studios, or their new optimization-obsessed tech overlords, to suppress young stardom as a way to keep costs down, or whether it's a byproduct of an era of superheroes and IP where the fictional characters are more important than the person playing them, the fact remains. Hollywood isn't good at creating new movie stars anymore. The hosts of a recent podcast episode I listened to tried to comprehensively rank the 35 biggest movie stars under the age of 35, and the sad reality was no more than a handful of them could even be the face of a large, commercially successful movie. Even among that group, most are passengers carried by the popularity of the characters rather than their own persona. Tom Holland by Spider-Man, Austin Butler by Elvis, Daniel Kaluuya by Jordan Peele, etc., etc., Each of those have fronted box office studs when they venture off on their own. In the end, the only under-35s I qualify are Timothy Chalamet and Margot Robbie. But enter Christopher Abbott and Margaret Qualley, the stars of a new movie called Sanctuary. Abbott is best known as the too-nice-guy boyfriend in HBO's Girls, with a few impressive side performances in indies, and Qualley announced her arrival in Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and the surprise Netflix hit made, but movie stars, these two, certainly are not. That's certainly not due to inability, though. This movie gives you all the material you would ever need to identify these two as true blue movie stars. At various times, they are funny, charismatic, romantic, sexy, cruel, and straight-up evil. I suppose that's the benefit of this movie's construction, which is an acting showcase. Abbott and Quali are the only two characters in the entire movie, which takes place almost entirely in Hotel Suite. Abbott plays an heir apparent to a large hotel chain, while Quali is his high-dollar dominatrix and, she believes, all-around performance coach. They simulate elaborate scenes of borderline emotional abuse, 
that titillate Abbott before things escalate further into increasingly high-stakes psychological games where the line between real and fake becomes indistinguishable. It's not a brilliant movie, and I'm not even sure it would work if it were not for the two mammoth performances at its center. But the duo charges up every scene with energy, tension, and humor that makes it difficult to look away. It would be easy to see the same acting skills translate into future comedies, rom-coms, or dramas. The tragedy here is that Abbott and Qualley are uniquely qualified for a job that's currently not open to applicants. This isn't the 1990s, where Julia Roberts does Pretty Woman, another movie about a young sex worker, and suddenly has the Midas touch. Or where Michael Douglas could basically make an entire movie star career out of erotic thrillers not much more complex than this one. Nowadays, there is no pathway for Abbott and Qualley to progress into bigger starring roles without donning a cape, putting on a motion capture suit covered in ping pong balls, or strapping themselves to the side of a real-life airplane. For actors of their caliber, the choice between fame, fortune, and fulfilling work has never been more stark. Many of the readers of this newsletter, I know, will never see Sanctuary, which is fair. They don't know who Abbott and Qualley are by name and have to Google photos of them to see if they recognize them from something. If they don't know now and they aren't inclined to watch small indies or awards movies, there's a good chance they'll never be bowled over by what they can do on screen the way I was during this movie, and that's a shame. Every week I give you something new, something old, and something to stream. This week something new is on Netflix. There's two two things, but the first thing is on Netflix. It's a man called Otto. There is no testament to movie stardom in recent years more powerful than this, a book adaptation with very little sticker appeal other than its lead being Tom Hanks, scored $112 million at the global box office, and then stayed near the top of the Netflix Top 10 for several weeks straight. There's no action, no car chases, no gunfights, no secondary stars. The movie is basically a walking advertisement for the boomer, they just don't make them like they used to mindset, about a grumpy, get-off-my-lawn guy who secretly has a big heart for people, so long as they're weak and vulnerable. I would even be so bold as to say Hanks is miscast as the titular character, who should probably be much older, more menacing, and less handsome, but apparently audiences still can't get enough of Hanks being our kind old uncle. To me, this is another failed example of book adaptation. Considering a book has so much more length with which it can insert nuance, it's funny to consider how certain literary elements, like one-dimensional quirky characters and very broadly written and overly dramatized flashback sequences, work on the page but not on the screen. What this movie is, and why I think it's resonating with a very particular subset of viewers, is a reflection of values. If you're someone who thinks people should handle and mind their own business, pull themselves up by their bootstraps, and knock the self-righteous down a peg, you're going to enjoy seeing that embodied on screen. And if that's you, I'm going to go out on a limb and guess you probably also love Tom Hanks. Well, boy, do we have the movie for you. The other something new this week I saw in theaters, it's Fool's Paradise. Of course, movie stardom in the context of comedy in 2023 is so hopelessly out of date that it's hard to even remember the days when Eddie Murphy or Jim Carrey could muscle a broad comedy to a couple hundred million at the summer box office. Charlie Day, of always sunny fame, writes, directs, and stars as a modern-day Charlie Chaplin-esque actor whose mental condition disables him from speaking. 
His character passes through the various stations of the movie Star Cross, gloriously up and then painfully down in what could be an industry takedown a la The Player, if the movie had any desire to prioritize message over dumb laughs. Instead, it's more like a stoner comedy where Day called on all his comedy pals to drop in for one day's work on a single funny scene. Jason Sudeikis, Jason Bateman, John Malkovich, Adrian Brody, Kate Beckinsdale, Glenn Howerton, Edie Falco, and the late Ray Liotta all feature here. While not reaching for the hilarious heights of Always Sunny, this movie is fun to both fans of the show and anyone eager to laugh at the peculiarities of Hollywood. This week, Something Old came out in 1992. It's White Man Can't Jump. You may have seen that they remade this movie, premiering on Hulu this week with Jack Harlow in the role of the hustler basketball player made famous by Woody Harrelson, and newcomer Cinqua Walls plays the Wesley Snipes part. I haven't seen it yet, but based on the trailer and what I know about the production, I'm fairly certain that the new movie will be an abomination on a level that could ruin the original. So rather than tune in, turn the clock back 30 years and return to the courts of Venice Beach in the early 90s where Harrelson's apparent dorkiness allows he and Snipes to make enough money hooping to impress a young Rosie Perez. Don't just trust me, trust writer-director Ron Shelton, who also made the crowd-pleasers Bull Durham and Tin Cup. This week's Something to Stream is on Netflix. It's Francis Ha. This Noah Baumbach and Greta Gerwig collab, the team behind the forthcoming Barbie, I will add, is on my list of my Hall of Fame movies I try to watch once per year. I've praised it in this newsletter before. You all know I love it. Except this was my first time watching this movie when I was older than the titular Francis, who is going through a quarter-life crisis, and suddenly I'm wondering if this is actually a horror movie? Question mark? <laughs> It's deeply bittersweet and unsparing in its take on growing up and coming to terms with not achieving your dreams, couched in what is essentially a rom-com between best friends. Still, New York City has never looked more alluring, painted in modern black and white and pumped to the tunes of David Bowie. It is the definitive quarter-life crisis movie and gave us the first glimpse of Gerwig's massive filmmaking talent. All right, guys, that's going to do it for this week's show. Really appreciate you tuning in. As for next week, I'm probably not going to see The Little Mermaid. I'm probably not going to see Fast X again. But there is a couple of uh, comedies coming out that I may check out. The Machine with uh, Burt Kreischer and Mark Hamill, weirdly, and Jimmy Tatro. About My Father with Robert De Niro and Sebastian Maniscalco. That one's probably more likely for me and more likely for this newsletter. So you'll want to tune in for all of that. And until then, head over to the newsletter at mattcraig.substack.com where I talk about the trailer for Killers of the Flower Moon. I mean, come on, Scorsese, Leo, De Niro, the presumptive favorite for Best Picture next year. (laughs) What's not to like? And until next Friday, guys, I guess I'll see you at the movies. Mm